Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Raising Saints, an AM820 production designed for parents who desire to raise the saints in their life. And now, Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt. Hello and welcome once again to Raising Saints, the show for Catholic parents. You're listening to AM820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, and I am Katie Wyatt. Here on Raising Saints, we talk to teenagers about the topics that matter most, and we invite you, parents, to listen in on our conversations. And we hope and pray that in joining us, you'll gain insight, wisdom, and courage to have these conversations with your own kids. So here we are in the midst of the Lenten season. So I thought it would be a good opportunity to talk to some of our awesome young Catholics about Lent, about their Lenten experiences, their Lenten practice. Um, so we have with us today Evan, who is a student at Hartley, Bishop Hartley High School and a parishioner at St. Catherine. And we have Zach, who is a student at Olentangy and a parishioner at St. John Newman. And we have Aaron, who's a parishioner at St. Matthew and a student at Westerville North High School. So welcome, guys. Thanks for being here. Um, I was reading a really good article in the Huffington Post. <laughs> Huffington <laughs> Post is really a hit or miss. But this happened to be a really good article. By David Luce, and it was titled The Trouble and Blessing of Lent. And the first line in the article is, let's face it, Lent is in trouble. Uh, So you're all looking sort of perplexed. That's kind of what I did. Like, what do you mean? And he goes on to say, the trouble with Lent is it feels like this strange, weirdly anachronistic holiday that celebrates things we don't value and encourages attitudes we don't share. Um. And that sounds sort of offensive. Like I said, it's a good article. He goes on to like wrap that all up. But I think he's talking more in a cultural sense, not necessarily you, Evan, or you, Aaron, or you, Zach, or me, specifically our experience with Lent. But culturally, he's talking about how Lent celebrates things we don't value and encourages attitudes we don't share. Um, so I don't know. I wanted to get your opinion. Do you Do you agree with this statement? Do you think that in the general sense, people think of Lent as... Along these lines, or I guess more specifically, do you think Lent is in trouble? I think people just don't really understand like what Lent is and why we do the things we do. You know, I don't think people understand why we abstain from meat on Fridays or why we give something up all throughout Lent. When you say people, do you mean Catholics or just other people? I mean, just people who aren't Catholic. Okay. um, Or maybe even Catholics who don't understand the faith themselves. You know, it could be either or. Um, but I think they just don't know enough about it. And it's our job to kind of go out and tell them, you know, why we do what we do, <laughs> as with our faith in general. Do you get many opportunities to do that, Zach? Um, no, I mean, I've been questioning about my faith in school, but never really about Lent. Okay. Um, so I'm not really sure why I haven't been asked about Lent by friends. What about you, Aaron or Evan? Do you have any similar, like, do you think Lent is in trouble or do you think people misunderstand Lent or don't see the value in Lent? Misunderstanding, both among Catholics and non-Catholics. Um, I think that there's just a poor uh, catechism when it comes to Lent and the reasons behind it. Because I know, like, I didn't really learn much except for, like, outside of my parents. It wasn't really talked about much, like, during the priest's homilies. And I didn't hear about it much growing up. Um, but I don't think it's in trouble. I've been asked a lot by both Catholics and non-Catholics, like why we abstain from meat on Fridays and why we give up certain things or why we add things to our daily lives. So I don't think it's in trouble at all. 
I wouldn't say it's in trouble either, but I would say that why we practice Lent and what we do during Lent has been kind of skewed and the reasons behind it have been kind of skewed is, and why I would say that is probably just because our parents probably haven't taught us why you would do something like that. So I think that why like everybody should probably just still be learning more about why you do it and that's probably why it people would write articles like that in the Huntington Post or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I would like I think also even if our parents have taught us why like as we grow our understanding of that changes and we sort of have to reevaluate that every year why are we doing this? Um I I was going to ask you guys if you thought that Lent has been reduced to a time of year for like losing weight or for giving up vices or for like bettering ourselves specifically for ourselves. I don't know. Do you see that at all? I think that if we like lose the, if we forget the purpose of why we're giving things up, like if we aren't doing it out of love and out of sacrifice for Christ, then yes. They become does, just New Year's yeah, resolutions. Just, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But if we like keep in mind that like we're doing it for the love of Christ and we're doing it to enhance his kingdom and we're doing it to become saints then yeah i think that it's definitely like it's a great time of year it's not just a new year in march <laughs> were you gonna add to that oh uh, yeah i was just saying that people to i think people today are trying to do the best they can to make lent enjoyable when it's not created to be enjoyable anyway like you're not supposed to go out to Red Lobster on Friday just because you can't eat meat. (laughs) I know. I was talking about our parish's fish fry, Church of the Resurrection. It's amazing. Like, (laughs) so so amazing. It's this huge buffet. I kind of feel guilty going. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, And and along those lines, Aaron, you were talking about how it's not like a New Year's in March or it's, Evan, it's not like we don't find ways to make it fun hey let's have a fun Lent right but so how does that compare to other holidays you know like the Advent seasons or or New Year or um, like a secular Easter celebration you know what how is Lent different if we want to consider Lent a, a holiday which I don't know that that's the right word but maybe a season, a holiday season. How is it different from other holiday seasons, at least culturally? I think with other holiday seasons, it's almost kind of about yourself, whereas in Lent it's supposed to be about other people and you're sacrificing um, something in your life that you really enjoy um, for God um, so that you can kind of serve others better. Yeah, like an Advent calendar is a little different than a Lenten calendar. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Advent calendar, is, it, it shouldn't be much different. It should be both anticipation and excitement of what's coming, you know. But Lent's more like, oh my gosh, okay, 20 more days, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, in the article, again, I'm talking about an article in the Huffington Post by David Luce titled The Trouble and Blessing of Lent. And in this article, the author highlights three different elements of Lent, uh, sacrifice, penitence, and contemplation. So I just kind of want to talk about those with you guys. Um, So let's start with sacrifice. Is sacrifice a difficult practice for most people? Is it, first of all, is it difficult practice for you personally? 
Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so safe to say that probably would apply to everyone in yeah. general. Yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> I know you see these people who are just like amazing at sacrifice. And you're like, how do you do that? <laughs> super. That's a superpower. Um, but but why is it a necessary practice? Why is sacrifice necessary spiritually? We weren't made for comfort. We were made for greatness. And by indulging in everything that's like that we think is going to make us happy, like that's ultimately not going to lead us where we want to go. And so sacrifice is going to help us become more disciplined, which will ultimately help us like discern what God's will for us is and help us live our lives better and live our lives more fully for him. Have you had have you personally you, Aaron, or either of you, have you personally experienced like the fruit of sacrifice in a way that you can articulate? Maybe you have, but you can't really explain it oh that's a tough yeah. question you're, you're <laughs> i'm the... trying to think about it but i don't i just really can't think of a time i mean you must have right because every yeah. lent you keep yeah. doing it or or is it an obligatory thing that you do for lent i feel like growing up i didn't really think much about it um really in the past probably the past two lents have been when i've started to like to like think about what i'm doing right but like, I don't know how to articulate how, like, making sacrifices throughout the Lenten season, like, does make an impact in, like, your spiritual life and your prayer life. I had a teenager tell me, really, just this morning, she said, you know what? This year, um, on on Ash Wednesday, I fasted, and I, this is the first year I understood what I was doing, and she said, it made everything so much more intense. <laughs> it made, you know, my prayer was more intense. My appreciation for food was more intense. My, you know, my oh. love of other people, except for when I was hungry, was more intense, you know, and she was just articulating the benefits of fasting, which I th- I think if we're not fasting prayerfully or sacrificing prayerfully, then there is no benefit. It just makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, I can think of now that you mentioned, I can think of one time where fasting was really beneficial for me, and it really helped me have some solidarity solidarity with the homeless. And it was when I was on a winter mission trip, and we had to experience what it was like for people in third world countries when they would eat for a whole day, and we only had like a half a cup of rice for dinner, and that was it. And I was starving, and I was just feeling really b- bad almost because I had been eating so many huge meals over the past few days because I've been having to go out and work with really poor people. And so it was just, it was just a really big eye opener to just see what fasting can help do with solidarity with the homeless and feeling what other people feel. So it's such good perspective, isn't it? Yeah. Like you said, I was starving and, and I know what you meant, but actually you were hungry. That's true. And they are starving. Right. Yeah. But it helps us and then you think about, wow, what if I felt like this all day, every day? That's what, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I knew I would get to eat breakfast the right. next day, a huge right. breakfast, but they don't know when they're going to eat their next meal right. sometimes. That's an excellent example of, of a fruit or a benefit of sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk about penitence. Um, you know, just the concept of being sorry or seeking forgiveness or making right, you know, taking responsibility for our actions and making it right. I don't know if this question will make sense, but let me throw it out there and you kind of digest it and see what you think. Are there common cultural practices or standards that 
keep us from understanding this concept of penitence, keep us from recognizing the need to admit fault, the need to accept responsibility. I'm okay. I'm thinking specifically of like uh, lawsuits, right? If something happens, I'm going to go after, I'm going to find somebody to blame. I'm going to, I'm going to go after somebody. I'm going to get restitution for this, you know, sometimes to the degree that it's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to accept any responsibility for my part in this because I'm just going to sue somebody <laughs> else and get, you know, I don't know. Are we in sort of a, um, cheating? You know, I'm not going to study for my test because I'm just, it's too important that I get a good grade to let it slide. So I'm going to cheat, you know, and make sure it happens. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. I think like, um, like, especially in like, like within like schools and everything, there's such like a, like do what makes you feel good. I think that's like, you know, like we've all probably been like exposed to that a lot growing up just around our friends and like just around basically like everywhere outside of the church Just do what makes you feel good. And it's, it's obviously okay because it makes you feel good. But what about when, so extending that, Aaron, when what makes me feel good hurts somebody else, am I encouraged then to apologize, to fix the situation, to make it right or I, no? I feel like that depends on like what you've grown up with. But I feel like a lot of times in like the secular culture, no. Because it's supposed to be like you're supposed to be looking out for number one. You're supposed to be looking out for yourself. I hate that expression. <laughs> Doesn't it make you cringe when you yes. hear that? Yeah. Like so. number one, capital N, right? You're talking about God, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Evan or Zach, any reflections on that? Do you, do you think that we're encouraged to take responsibility for our mistakes? or? No, I think it's like justified if you do lie about something or if you don't tell the whole truth um i know i was recently in a car accident about a month ago um and it wasn't that bad but afterwards all my friends were like well why didn't you say this then they would have gotten in trouble or why didn't you say this and then it would have been their fault you know so i think people are constantly like justifying their actions and trying to find like ways out of it so that they don't have to accept full responsibility that probably goes back to what you're talking about what you were talking about, Aaron, with the, we weren't made for comfort, but we're always seeking, like, I'll just be more comfortable if I tell a lie and don't have to, you know, yeah, accept the consequences of this. Yeah. That, that, so you guys, you did, you got to the root of my question. You figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) Abstract though it was. Um, So sacrifice, penitence. And then the third point we were talking about is contemplation, which is an important element of Lent. But do we know how to contemplate? Do you guys know how to contemplate? Not I like really. to think so. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, you say no. Nate, what'd you say? Not uh, yes then, or no? Uh, no, I, no. I said no. Yeah. But Aaron, you said you'd like to think so? I'd like to think I do. <laughs> uh, so do you take time for contemplative prayer? Like, like Yeah. Um, my parish recently opened a perpetual adoration chapel. And so like, I like to spend as much time in there as I can. I like to go over after work or even before we had the Adoration Chapel open to just like go over there as often as I can Um, because just having that solitude and that silence in the church and just being alone with Christ, I feel like that's such like a great way to like contemplate everything that he's, that he's done in my life and everything, like especially if I'm stressing over something or if I'm worrying about something or like whatever it may be to just like sit there with him 
helps to like me figure it all out. So now Zach and Nate, I know you're thinking, oh yeah, I do that. Right, because yeah. I know your youth yeah. ministry programs. I know that you guys <laughs> oh, spend time yeah. in front of the Blessed Sacrament. <laughs> <laughs> so that's contemplative, don't, wouldn't you say? I mean, yeah. Do you and Zach, you've you've kind of been through the discernment process, right? That's yeah, so, definitely contemplative. Yeah, I guess I just didn't really know what you meant by contemplative. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, fine. I'm never abstract. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah. So just contemplating, like. Um, the quote from the Daily Lenten video, I don't know if you guys are getting the Share Jesus video or not. Um, <laughs> it's completely awesome, but the quote today is, God gave us two ears and one mouth, so our prayer should be in ratio to that. Listen twice as much as we talk. So that's what that contemplative prayer is, that listening to God and contemplating, God, what is your will for my life? What do you, what, What is it you want from me, you know? rather than just chattering at God like I tend to do. <laughs> Poor God. When I, when I kneel to pray, he must go, oh, my, me. Oh, my, me. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so when, uh, in, the, in the article, he talks about taking, quote, full advantage of the Lenten season. What does that mean to you to take full advantage of the Lenten season? I think it means that we have this time period of 40 days where we can kind of focus on getting closer to God by kind of feeling obligated to add something to our prayer life. But I mean, even if you are obligated to add something to your prayer life, you're still praying more. So it's still like good for you. Yeah. Um, so I think it like helps you get closer to God. Anything to add to that, Aaron or Evan? Taking full advantage of the Lenten season. I think full, taking full advantage of the Lenten season to me is doing multi, one or multiple things to make yourself kind of feel out of place or uncomfortable or giving something up just to know that you're you're not always first and that you sh- it shouldn't be always your priorities and I think also you should probably just add some something that you wouldn't really want to do so that that's what like, yeah or something that'll advantage. stretch you like you said yeah 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 so it's just like always living for another person or in living for god that's what say. so what are the obstacles for that to that for you guys or for teenagers in general what are the obstacles to taking quote full advantage of the lenten season what keeps us from doing that I feel often like just schedules. It's like I feel like, like I know like I'm really busy like all of the time, and so a lot of times that get put that gets pushed to the back of my mind, and I'm more focused on what I'm doing here and now than what I should be doing or what I need to do later in the day or earlier in the day. So I think definitely like busy lives. Every teenager I know has a hectic life, right? So yeah. What do you guys think? What are the obstacles? What are other obstacles other than just time to teenagers taking full advantage of the Lenten season? Um, probably, probably for me, at least friends, um, just that don't really see kind of what you're doing or why you're doing it. Um, I think that can kind of get in your way and kind of put you in the wrong mindset um, if you do have those friends that create obstacles and throw stuff in your way. 
Do you ever do your friends ever intentionally do that? Oh, come on, Zach, let's get pepperoni on the pizza or whatever. <laughs> it's Friday. Yeah, you know what I mean, like kind of pushing you. Yeah, I mean, just kind of like doing the like. Well, I don't really understand why you have to give up meat. So I'm gonna order pepperoni. Yeah, and you're gonna eat it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, has any of you ever had a? just truly awesome Lenten journey or Lenten experience. Just like when Easter came, you were there and you were ready and you were so excited and you felt like you'd done as much work as you could possibly do. Probably not to that extent, but last Lent was really, really, it's like influential and like helpful with my prayer life. Um, I gave up wearing makeup, which was a big struggle for me. That's a tough one. Yeah. We've had a lot of girls do that in our program too. And um, the time that I would take in the morning to put on my makeup, I instead devoted to prayer, which like really helped me spiritually last year. Um, and it's continued to because now I've like realized how much of a priority that should be in my life instead of where I had put it before. Um, and so since I was taking that extra time to pray each day, I was more prepared for Easter when we came to it. That is such a cool example because I'm so glad you shared that, Aaron, because that's a Lenten sacrifice that has continued after, you know, into the Easter season and after Lent. And, and in a way it was transformative, which is one of the major goals of Lent, right? It's not just Christ has risen, eat some chocolate, you know, (laughs) Christ has risen and, and I have been transformed in some, maybe even just some small way. It's all about steps on our journey. So that's, that's a great story. Either of you have any other great Lenten stories like that to share? No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, last last Lent I gave up sweets, and so then that was big. That was a big thing for me because I was I am a huge fan of ice cream, so, <laughs> um, and I was I just I remember when when it was either Sundays because I did the Sunday thing last year, and as in you. I, you ate ice cream on Sunday. I ate ice cream and yeah. all the sweets on Sundays. The bishop totally gave us permission for that yeah, at the that's... women's conference this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there 47 days in Lent? <laughs> yeah, there's no way to add. There's no way to get 40 days in Lent, by the way. Yeah. Even if you take out the Sundays, because then the Triduum isn't officially Lent. So those oh. three days that you were counting, like, I don't know who came up with 40 other than Jesus in the desert, of course. But. <laughs> It doesn't work out. Have you? Anyway, that's totally a side note. Sorry, Evan, go for it. <laughs> well, to continue on to that, I was, I remember during Easter, I got, I was so happy and grateful. I was so grateful that I, because I could eat sweets again. I remember I was altar serving and the incense smelled like fruity. Ice cream. <laughs> smelled like Fruit Loops. And so I was totally going crazy with my senses and so i just remember i was i was to- i was so grateful and i could just remember that I, I bet that's how jesus felt when he was coming out of the desert after his 40 days of fasting and it was just like it was just cool. that it was relief really cool. yeah. yeah probably not like he was smelling fruit loops, oh, definitely. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is so hilarious i'll never smell incense again <laughs> not thinking of fruit loops <laughs> I love it. um are there any Lenten traditions in your family? These are a little, I guess, a little different from... A lot of families have Advent traditions. I don't know. Like, do you go to the Stations of the Cross together? Or do you go to the Fish Fries together? Or 
No, you kind of all just do your... Sometimes Lent can be a very like personal thing. Like, you know what? You just do your thing and I'll do my thing. <laughs> Don't ask me and I won't ask you. Yeah. Um, I want to I quote a, another quote from the article. Again, this is an article from the Huffington Post written by David Luce titled The Trouble and Blessing of Lent. Lent reminds us of whose we are, the sacrifices, the disciplines. These are not intended as good works offered by us to God. Rather, they're God's gifts to us to remind us who we are, God's adopted daughters and sons. God's treasure, so priceless that God was willing to go to any length or more appropriately to any depth to tell us that we are loved, that we have value, and that we have purpose. I love that quote because that is exactly why we do Lent, right? And and that's kind of going back to my one of my earlier questions, has Lent become a time of like making New Year's resolutions and making ourselves better? And we are making ourselves better, but better for entry into the kingdom, right? Not better for yeah. looking better in our clothes or whatever. Yeah. Um, so at the end of your Lenten journey... This year at Easter, where do you guys hope to be? Do you have a specific goal? Um, I hope to be a little less humble by this Easter. More humble? More humble. Or, yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe less humble. I don't no, know. No, no, that... More humble. More humble. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I said that wrong. No, that's okay. Um, no, but I've been doing the Litany of Humility um, oh, over Lent. Um, we started it over CYSC, and I fell in love with it, but never really did anything with it since. Um, and then I decided over the Lent that I would start doing it again, pick it up. It's awesome. been amazing. Cool. That's a good one. Evan or Aaron, you have any specific goals for this Lent? Uh, yeah, I hope to, um, at the end of Lent, I, to have a deeper prayer life. And, and I've been dedicated to saying the rosary every day, even though sometimes I've slipped, but I'm trying, I'm trying to say the rosary every day and i hope that will help me to have a better prayer life by awesome. The end. awesome all right aaron you don't have to answer because we're out of time you're all off right. the hook <laughs> <laughs> i want to thank you all for being here let's um close with a quick pray- uh, hail mary how about all right. in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen hail mary full of, of grace, grace the lord, lord is with thee blessed are thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god Pray, Pray for, for us sinners, sinners now, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to Raising Saints on AM820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm Katie Wyatt. And until next time, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bye now. Raising Saints is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. Archives of Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt are available at stgabrielradio.com. Then he